Hey, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Michael, and uh, I have the privilege of starting us off in this series on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, for some of us, you might not know what that is, and it comes from a passage in Galatians 5 that we're going to go through, and for the next couple weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to break apart some of these specific uh, items specific attitudes, specific character traits. We're going to go through all of these topically for the next couple weeks, and uh, and we're going to chat about what those things look like. And so, if you have Bibles, uh, if not, if you need a Bible, uh, we have some people walking around, you just throw your hand up and they will pass you a Bible. And uh, if you do not own a Bible, this is our gift to you. You can take it home and you can make your own, put your name in the front, the whole shebang, it's yours. And uh, it's our gift to you. Thanks for being here. You're the best. Um, I am uh, feeling pretty under the weather today. Got some nasty food. So I've been like puking all day. So this whole like front row, you guys are like the spray zone. So just letting you know that. It'll be great. I won't even warn you. It's just going to... Anyways, okay. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. Uh, So... Find it fast. <laughs> you got a table of contents. If not, uh, it'll be on the screen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Okay? So two opposing enemy kind of sides. There's flesh and Spirit, and they are going to war here. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, so this is the one side, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, uh, sorcery. Sorcery is kind of weird because you're like, what are you talking about? Like Harry Potter stuff. Uh, the, the word for sorcery here is, uh, is pharmakeia where you get the word, like, pharmacy from. It's, it's, uh, it's less associated with, like, witchcraft as much as it is, like, uh, drug use, if that makes sense. It's like the illusionment of drugs. That's kind of the idea there. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. What? Orgies? Yep. And things like these. <laughs> I didn't even... This is the Bible. I warn you. As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's super, super intense. Once again, as I've warned you before, and those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the opposite side of those things, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I think the interesting thing about the spiritual walk and following Jesus and, you know, living your life as a Christian is we struggle with the idea that it's not instant. We are a very instant culture. We're the vending machine culture, you know? You put your money in, you expect whatever it is that you offer to get in return right away. And if you don't, you see people go nuts on vending machines all the time, right? 
I asked for Skittles, not Starburst, right? They're just like losing their mind. You're like, what the heck? They're smacking the thing. You know, so many people, you know, this is a crazy stat. You know, more people a year die from vending machines than sharks. It's true. Because people just lose their mind on vending machines because they're like, you didn't give me exactly what I wanted. And that's such a weird crazy thing because they just push the vending machine and ah, and then it like topples over on them like it happens all the time and it's such like a weird connection to our society and our life it's like if we don't have all of the seasons on Netflix like what even is life you know it's like the wi-fi doesn't work or if you have to buffer a video we start losing our mind like we are this instant let's get it now let's make it happen I have this desire get it for me immediately we have ordering online that goes 24 hours and then you can get it from Amazon. We have all these things that say, give it to me now. We have stores that are being created. That you walk into the store, you grab your eggs and your milk and you just walk out. You don't have to talk to anyone anymore because there's no more cashiers because it's automatically and electronically transacted from your card. This is the society that we live in. It's instant, it's gratification, it's whatever we want to desire at the snap of our fingers and we begin to receive it. Christian life is nothing like that. Nothing like that. And that's where a lot of our frustration happens with God. We say, hey, I know the one side of that list that I probably spend way too much time on. I want the other stuff. So God, why are you not letting me have the other stuff? Why are you doing this? Why can I not? Those are all frustrations coming out of the instant culture. Not the process. We've talked about this before. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched uh, Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> that movie is legit. <laughs> There's so many Asians who are rich, right? And so I'm watching this movie, and uh, the one lady, she's Asian, and she looks to the American girl, and she says, this is my deal with Americans. This is my problem with Americans. My problem with Americans is all you want is to go after your desires, and you will never know what it looks like to make something that will last. And I was just torn, I was, I was just, just took a step back and I was like, that is so true. You have zero idea how to make something last. And what God's whole vantage point in this towards you is he's making something. He's trying to create something in you that will last farther than what you actually understand. That each of your decisions goes one way. It goes towards flesh or it goes towards spirit. You have to decide where it is you're going to end up. This is the way that C.S. Lewis uh, this is how he puts it. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little more different than it was before and taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, all your lifelong, you are slowly turning the central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God or, and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven, that is. It is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing to the one state or the other. It's flesh or it is spirit. Which way are we moving to? And if we're honest with ourselves, we look at both of those lists and we go, okay, I can probably see where I sit more in 
I could probably see why a lot of my relationships with people, my relationships with God, my relationships with myself are pretty strained because I sit in some of these like fleshly categories. I do have instances of rage. I do have instances of sensuality or of coveting or of greediness or all of these ideas. Like, yeah, I probably live in that a lot, not so much in the other things. What this is not is not a guilt trip. This is not you suck, you are horrible, do better. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to get you to understand is if that is where you are, that's okay. Because this is not an instant culture. The first thing you have to understand is this is a process. It is a journey. Be honest with where your starting point is. And that's the way you're going to do better. They always talk about the idea in, in business terms. People who um, overexpect or overcompensate and they say, oh yeah, uh, I'm the best or I have the best sales or whatever, it probably means that they're pretty bad. If they over, have over expectations of their competency or the stuff that they do, it means that they're pretty bad. The people who are the best at their jobs are the ones who are the most honest. You know, I'm not the best. I'm probably the fifth best in this office. Those are the ones that are gonna make it. The ones who are the most honest with ourselves. And I think that's our biggest problem. As we sit here and we go, no, 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 I'm totally loving, totally joyous. I have so much peace, so much kindness, all this stuff. We never really realize, but I probably live more over here in the flesh categories of things than I would like to imagine or be honest with myself about. So let's go through these. Uh, we're going to go uh, today just talking about what the idea of fruit is, comparing these two lists, and seeing what it is that the series is going to do for us and why this is so important. So uh, the beginning, it says that these are the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh. This is all the, the gnarly stuff, the works of the flesh, the works, plural, works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's, not, it's a non-exhaustive list. On the bad end of things, it is a multitude. It's plural. It's a lot of different things that can kind of take you down. That's what Paul is, Paul is the, the writer of this whole passage, and he's making it very clear. There are a multitude of things, and this is not a good time. It's a list of stuff, a list of stuff that will take you down in such a way because we do things with these qualities and interactions that we might not necessarily be super happy with. Uh, Peter Palmer, or Parker Palmer, says it this way. We are well-educated people who have been schooled in a way of knowing that treats the world as an object to be dissected and manipulated, a way of knowing that gives us power over the world. We have used our knowledge to rearrange the world to satisfy our drive for power, distorting and deranging life rather than loving it for the gift that it is. This is what it is to live in the flesh. It's to make and to control and do whatever it is with whatever you want to make yourself happy. Okay? And then it's the flip side says that there's the works of the flesh. And then if you move on, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You have the works of the flesh. It's a multitude of things. And then you have the fruits, singular. They're not fruits. They're not multiple of these things. It is all of those nine come together in one package altogether, which means you do not sit there and go, I'm a very loving person, but I don't have a lot of patience. 
I'm not, I'm not merciful, but I'm not very kind. I have a lot of self-control, but I don't have a lot of peace. They all come in tandem. The idea here is each of these things in an isolated way is beautiful. It's like a flower. Each of those flowers are beautiful. But the beauty is not in the isolation. It's, in the, it's, when, it's comp, uh, when the composition comes together. It's, it's less of a flower and more of a bouquet. That's what it is. As soon as you put that bouquet together and it's like this beautiful rose and whatever other green things, right? You put all of them together. That's where the beauty lies. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's not in its isolation, but it's in its unity and its togetherness. It's all of those things that are coming out in an individual. All nine of those aspects who are flowing out of you on an everyday basis to the people who you love and care for. That those are the main things that people begin to see in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. All of these ideas are things that when people look at you, man, that's what you're known for. That's what you are seen as. This is what the fruit of the Christian life is. And fruit is found everywhere all over the Bible. Okay, I'm going to go speed read through a bunch of verses. You do not have to find them. Uh, Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. The fruit is in being in the presence of God himself. <clears throat> Matthew 13. Uh, As for that was sown among thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was seen on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The Christian life must bear fruit. Romans 7, 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to one another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Ephesians 5, 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Philippians 1, 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Colossians 1, 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. James 3, 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that so you will go and love one another. Matthew 7, 16 to 18, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. 20, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. The whole idea of why this passage is so pivotally important is because Jesus says, if you know, if you want to know what kind of tree it is, you have to see it by the fruits. 
by the actions, by the results of the very thing. That will tell you what it is. So the question that people always ask is, man, how do I know if I know Jesus? How do I know if I am saved? How do you tell what a tree is? By its fruit. And what is the fruit that is the standard and the definition and the mark of what a Christian life is? What are the results that have to be seen? What is the standard and the markings that you are being judged by? We've read it once again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What are the marks of the Christian life? What shows you to be the very thing that you say you are? Is generosity sometimes? Is it walking the old lady across the street? Is it not swearing? Is it not going to the party? That's not what it's saying. It's saying the very way that you know that you are a, a Christian, the distinguishing marks of your life have to be those nine things. Now you get why this is so important. Because by those things, it shows what you really are. I was really interested <clears throat> last night, my wife and I, and a bunch of people from the church, uh, we participated in this thing with the Joseph Richard groups. Uh, they do like, they own like pubs and restaurants everywhere, right? They uh, went together with Youth Unlimited and they decided to do this thing as a fundraiser for youth homelessness, okay? So what they do is they uh, send out all of these things everywhere and they say, hey, we want, to join, uh, we want you to join us with uh, awareness for youth homelessness. And so what we're going to do is we're going to raise a butt ton of money and we're going to make people sleep outside to make it feel like they experience what a youth who is homeless is going to feel like. So 150 people sign up for this thing in South Surrey, okay? We show up at SNL Steakhouse, and it's like 150 of us sitting there with like a bunch of sleeping bags and all of these layers. And from 8 p.m. or whatever to 6.30 this morning, we are sleeping outside. What are we talking about? Literally, what they did was they grabbed a parking lot and they put two cars on the other one so cars couldn't run us over. And they said, there's your bed. And they gave us a piece of cardboard and they said, have fun. And I sat there looking at a room of more people than this going, why would you do this? Why would you do this? What is drawing in your heart to want to accomplish this? And I'm sitting there, like my piece of cardboard, I like put it on the pavement, and I grab my sleeping bag, I like go down. Then all of a sudden this one dude's like, hey, you know it's going to rain, right? What? He's like, yeah, it's going to rain. You bring any tarp? No. All of a sudden out of nowhere, this big like lumberjack looking dude comes over to me. He's like, you need some tarp? I was like, yeah. The dude legit tucked me in with the tarp. It was like amazing. Like, can you do this all the time? He's like, yeah. Anyways, and so he, he tucks me in with his tarp, and I'm sitting there like so cold, like in this little thing. Like, how do you sleep? Like, you can't adjust anywhere. Like, your hip hurts, or like you're dislocating your shoulder. I'm like, man, this is crazy. And then it starts raining. And I'm looking at these 150 people going, why are you doing this? 
What is it about this? And it's always been one of my questions. If the Christian life is supposed to be lived to these beautiful character traits, then why is it that also non-Christians show the very same things? Why is it that sometimes you can do an action that seems so virtuous and so good, and yet on the inside nothing has really changed? What is this? The Bible talks about the exact same thing. The Bible refers to it this way in regards to fruit. There are a number of actions in life that are fruit. There's a number of things that is fruit outside of just characteristics. Hebrews 13 through him, then let us continuously offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. A very action of what fruit is, is worship. Worship is fruit. You acknowledging with your lips that God is awesome. He's great. He's incredible. Not just with words, but also with actions. Worship is fruit. Romans 15, 28, when therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what sealed them in this fruit, I will leave for Spain by way of you. Giving and being a part is also being seen as fruit. Matthew 3, 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance, confession, turning away from your sins, experiencing that and having solidarity with others in the turning of the things that you do is fruit. Romans 1.13, I do not want you to become unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been presented, uh, prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as amongst the rest of the Gentiles. The idea of going out and evangelizing and being a part of leading people to Jesus is harvest. It is bringing in fruit. All these actions are fruit, but those seem like they're different than the nine. The idea of those nine things at the beginning and those actions which are fruit, which is the difference between behaviors and attitudes. And this is where my whole point is leading to. So if you're completely lost, this is where it leads to. You can have fruit of action without the fruit of attitude, and that is what leads you to hypocrisy. Fruit of action without the fruit of attitude makes you the fraud. So when people look at Christians and they go, they don't even believe what they say. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I would say, yes, of course we are. Because too often we try to do the action without having the character. Too many times we love to take Jesus' name but never love to do the things that he did. We never like to be who he was or act like he acted. We take his name and not his character, and that is a problem because that's where hypocrisy arises because all we do is we manage who we are by the behaviors and not by the character and not by the attitude and not by who you are when the door is closed and nobody is watching. It's just, did I not swear? Did I not go to the party? Did I drink too much? Did I smoke that thing? All of those are such superficial questions. That does not determine whether love really overflows from your heart. And you really see it that way. It really determines. Man, I look at my grandma. My grandma's incredible. She's this old lady. She's like always giggling and laughing. And she's like Spanish and like weird and like, <laughs> she's kind of like a, like a, she's so funny, like a little hobbit lady, right? She's amazing. She is the closest thing I've ever seen in my life to Jesus. 
Because in everything she does, everything she does, you understand that when she does something, it comes from something deeper. She is not serving or giving or speaking encouragement out of I want to look cool. That is action without character. It is not I am going to invite someone to youth or something because I feel guilty. That is action without the character. It is not I am going to encourage that person so I can look good. That is action without behavior. I'm going to walk into a building of other Christians and not act like myself because that shows action and not character. She never did that. And what I learned from her is that in the most difficult of times, there was a season a couple years ago where my grandpa, he's a crazy alcoholic, came at my grandmother with a knife. And it was the craziest experience I've ever had happen in my home. My uncle comes over, and he just starts going nuts. We have to contact the authorities. It's like this cool, crazy thing. And the next day after that, I see my grandmother at the table with her Bible open and weeping. And he goes, she's not doing this because it's a checklist. She's not reading that, so she cannot feel guilty about not reading her Bible today. This is actually everything to her. You see what I'm saying? That so much of the goal of what you are trying to do in life is what you say you do and what you do have to come together because that shows who you are. So the question has to be for you. Those nine things, do they embody who you are? And if you say no, that's okay because this is a journey. It's a process where the beauty of the unity of what God is doing in your life is that he's transitioning you and he's changing you more and more and more into what it is that he is calling you to be. It's a journey. We're not asking for perfection. But we're asking for you to love people. Like love people. Where you're not just going and you're seeing someone and asking yourself, what is it that you can do for me? Because we do that all the time but to actually love them in the way that Christ loved people, where he sacrificed his time and energy not so that he can get anything back. What does that look like at school for you? What does it look like in stressful times, in areas of life, when exams are going on, where a friendship is breaking down, or a relationship is going away, that peace begins to be the embodiment of who you are, not anxiety, What does it look like for when someone is treating you harshly for you to respond back with gentleness, with kindness? What does it look like when temptation is staring you in the face and asking you to do what it wants you to do, that you operate with self-control? That is why this series is going to be so pivotal for us, to learn what each of these things are and to see how God is going to be doing them in us. Because the fruit of the Spirit, and what's so interesting about it, is that it is what God is doing in your life and he's telling you to get in line. What the fruits of the Spirit are is the stuff that the Spirit is doing through and in you. And you're being formed and you are growing and you are becoming something that I think is super important. Uh, Robert Mulholland says it this way. 
When spirituality is viewed as a journey, however, the way to spiritual wholeness is seen to lie in an increasingly faithful response to the one who purposes and shapes our path, whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from crippling bondages of the prior journey, and whose transforming presence meets us at each turn in the road. In the other words, holistic spirituality is a pilgrimage of deepening responsiveness to God's control of our life and being. I love that line. That even though you screw up all the time, you belong to someone whose grace redeems your detours. Love is the embodiment of what God is. Love is what he wants to offer to you. And love is what he wants you to become. Not out of selfish expectation, but out of the idea where he's saying, man, if you really know me, if you really follow me, if you really want to do what I do and become who I am, love is the only way that you should be seen. Love is the only way that it makes it happen. That you are spiritually formed, not in drunkenness, not in greed, not in rage or envy, but in love, peace, patience, kindness. Those are the beautiful markers of what it is to be a Christian. The last thing I want to lead you off with is this. Spiritual formation is the great reversal. It's from being the subject who controls all other things to being a person who is shaped by the presence, purpose, and power of God in all things. This is a process. This is a journey. It is not instant, and it's not going to happen exactly when you say it's going to. So that's how I hope you treat this whole series. Not as an instantaneous action of, okay, I'm immediately going to become all nine of these things. No, that's not realistic. But I want you to treat the next couple weeks as, as a journey of understanding, of growing, of being okay with you not being okay of you wanting to continuously push forward into what God is calling you to be and not to do that isolated, but to do that together. That is why the fruit of the Spirit is so important. And next week, we're going to start with love. We're going to show us, and it is going to show us, what life really looks like and what that could be for the rest of us. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the time that you've given us here today to just learn of your fruit, and that we would see that action without character is fraud, that action without character is not what you are calling us to, but it's, it's holistic. It's everything about who we are is seen and pointed to you in action and behavior, the things that are coming out of our mouth and the, the way that we are treating people. All of this has to go back to reflect who you are in our lives if that's who we say we are following. God, I pray that we would surrender some things today. That as we just think of both of these ideas of the flesh and of the spirit and both of these as contending armies fighting against and warring against one another, that we would just ask ourselves the question, which side are we on? Whose war are we fighting? And I pray that as uh, we begin to ask ourselves that question, it just gives us a starting point. It's not a guilt trip and it's not freaking us out, but that you would just guide us in a way that we'd be able to begin a beautiful journey to just being closer and conforming to the image of your son. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. Just want to pray. Amen.